Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we're continuing our walk through the book of Luke, and we find ourselves in Luke chapter number 5, continuing on. Jesus has just uh, called his first four followers, who were fishermen, to become fishers of men, and now we find him healing the leper in a very well-known narrative to anybody familiar with God's Word. And so it's a short story, okay, only a few verses in Luke 5, 12 through 16, but it's a short story that's packed with spiritual splendor. It is the day the leper met the Lord. Jesus is traveling throughout the region preaching. He has just called his first four followers, and now he continues his mission towards the cross. In this journey, he meets a man most miserable. We shall see that we have far more in common with him than we might think. And so let's look now to Luke 5, 12. And it happened when he was in a certain city that, behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus, and he fell on his face and implored him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then he put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one. But go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Verse 16, So he himself often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Like the leper, we suffer from a disease that eats away and destroys from the inside out. And like the leper, our only hope is to be found in the hands of Jesus Christ, the virgin-born Son of God, God incarnate. So I want you to join me on this journey as we consider this thought. Life, love, and lessons when the leper met the Lord. We're going to divide this narrative into three sections. First of all, we're going to consider the life the leper lived. Second of all, the love the Lord gives. And third of all, the lessons the leper learned. The life the leper lived, the love the Lord gives, and the lessons the leper learned. Now in verse number 12, we start with the life the leper lived. We need to understand what it was like to be a leper in this day and in this time. And so the life the leper lived, first of all, it was a life of physical debilitation. Physical debilitation. The disease itself was one that ate away at the flesh, and its victim would literally fall to pieces. Often lepers would lose their nose, their eyes, ears, or other extremities. Now, there is some disagreement whether the leprosy of ancient Palestine is uh, the same disease as what we call today Hansen's disease or modern leprosy, if these are the exact same disease. Because as we know, diseases mutate over years and years and years. Um, but really doesn't matter if it is or not. There were two diseases in ancient Palestine that were known as one phrase, or as one term rather, leprosy. Hobbes writes about it, and he says this, Two kinds of leprosy were found in Palestine. One was simply a bad skin disease. The other, starting with a small spot, ate away the flesh until the victim would be left with only a stump of a hand or leg. It was a living death which lasted for years. And obviously this man uh, was stricken with the latter. The life the leper lived, it was a life of physical debilitation. 
Think about that statement, living death. He was alive, but he was dead, so to speak. His body was literally decaying as a corpse would decay, and yet at the same time, he was alive. It was a horrible, horrible death that lasted sometimes for years before the person finally died. They would rot and fall to pieces. It was a life marked of physical debilitation. It was a life marked by social isolation. Social isolation. Lepers in that day were ostracized from their family and society for fear of contamination. There was a great deal of social stigma surrounding leprosy. One was thought to be cursed by God from the disease. And the law of that day required the lepers to live on the outskirts of town in little colonies. And whenever they traveled, they were required to shout, unclean, unclean, in order to warn nearby persons of contamination. Should a leper fail to identify himself or herself, they could be put to death by stoning. It was a life of social isolation. Now, again, there's some debate whether the ancient form of leprosy was actually contagious uh, in the way that the disease would spread from human to human or if it was something that was developed by some other means. However, we have to remember that in this day, medicine was very primitive. Uh, science was very primitive. And so it was just, it was just assumed that diseases spread by contagion and many do, but it was pretty much assumed that all diseases were caused by cross-contact with people who had the disease, whether they did or not. And so it was a life of social isolation. They lost their families, they lost their jobs, they lost their homes, uh, and they were completely isolated. And this brought back all types of uh, mental anguish and mental torture. In fact, I was reading a little article, if you will, about a guy that uh, was a doctor back in the early 1900s, I believe it was, and he uh, was over a leper colony in Africa. And he talks about the effects of social isolation on those who live with leprosy. He said that many of them would become extremely depressed, extremely depressed, because they, they the physical part is horrible, but the mental part's just as bad, because they have no life. They can't go anywhere. They can't do anything. They can't see anyone. I mean, they literally have no quality of life whatsoever. And he said that many of them would commit suicide um, because of the social isolation. And so the life the leper lived, it was a life of physical debilitation. It was a life of social isolation. But it was also a life of spiritual separation. Because in ancient Palestine, let's face it, a Jew that had leprosy was not only physically unclean, but he was ceremoniously unclean, and therefore he could not come within a mile of a synagogue or the temple in Jerusalem, either one. He could not come and participate in the rituals and the teaching and the prayer and the praise of the Jewish people. He was completely excommunicado from his religion. And you know as good as I do, unlike today, that in the ancient world, especially for a Jew, 
there was no separation from the religious life and the social life. Your religion was your life. Your identity as a Jew was your life. Everything was related. There, there, there was not this Western idea, especially in America today, of um, compartmentalizing our lives. Here's my social life. Here's my church life. Here's my family life. No, no, no. They were all one and the same, and they all centered around the faith delivered all the way down from Abraham to the current Jews. So it was a big deal for a Jew to be a leper because in their mind, to be ceremoniously unclean, to be cut off from the synagogue, was to be cut off from God himself and the promises of Israel. So it was a life of spiritual separation. In all of this, the life the leper lived, we see a picture of all men and women who are lost, who are not saved, who do not know Jesus Christ. It really paints a picture of a theological term we call total depravity, that you are totally depraved, that every part of you is marked by the fall and by sin, and therefore you are debilitated. As this man could not save himself or do nothing for himself physically, a lost man is spiritually debilitated. He can do nothing to save himself. Our works of righteousness are filthy rags. But it's also a picture of a lost man in the isolation. Because though we not be isolated from society because of our sin, we are isolated from the body of Christ, which therefore means that we're isolated from all the blessings of the church. Paul said that Christ has blessed us in himself, in Christ, in heaven, with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. You, you don't get any of that separated, isolated, debilitated. A life lived apart from Christ is certainly pictured in the life of a leper. In fact, Isaiah himself in the Old Testament used leprosy as in a typological way to describe sin. So I'm not allegorizing the text. This is a literal story. He really had leprosy, and Jesus really literally healed him. But it also offers a spiritual lesson because the Bible itself uses leprosy as a picture for sin. You know, that's what lost people are doing, though. Like the leper, they're walking dead people. The walking dead, the living dead. They're walking around dead as a hammer. The Bible says we're dead in sins and trespasses, and all a dead person can do is rot. All a dead body can do is stink, and all a lost person can do is wallow and rot and sin until the life they live collides with the love the Lord gives. So we see the life the leper lived. It was a life of physical debilitation, social isolation, and spiritual separation. But secondly, and thanks be to God, this is where things turn a corner, not only the life the leper lived, but consider the love the Lord gives. In the leper's condition, he did what only he could do. He cried out to Jesus. Notice the text says, a man who was full of leprosy, saw Jesus, 
fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. It strikes me how excellent this man's Christology is because he realizes that it is not a question of can the Lord save him, but it is a question of will the Lord save him. He recognizes the authority and the power and the supremacy of Jesus Christ. He has no problem believing that Jesus can do it, but the question is, will Jesus do it? And there's something we can gather from this leper is to realize this, that the power of God is not limited by any sort of inability. It is simply a matter of his will. And so we must never think, can the Lord? No, can God? God can. God will. That's a different story. Now, notice this. He saw Jesus and the love the Lord gives. He put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed immediately. The leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Oh, what love he bestowed upon the unlovable, a man scorned and rejected by society, both religious and secular, a man doomed in this life and the next, and yet Christ touched the untouchable, loved the unlovable. The love the Lord gives, what of this love? Well, first of all, it is a love according to mercy and not merit. Mercy and not merit. Could this man offer anything to Christ? Did Christ need something from this man? Had this man done anything to merit such love? By no means. The love the Lord gives is according to mercy, not merit. This man merited nothing. He was diseased, he was desperate, and he was desolate. Yet upon meeting Christ and acknowledging him as Lord, he was cleansed, he was converted, and comforted. Make no mistake, God's love for us is not merited. That, that means we don't deserve it. We don't do something to earn it. It is all mercy. It is mercy that God bestows upon us. That instead of giving us what we deserve, He loves us and bestows love upon us through the ultimate gift, Jesus Christ Himself, which is perfectly typified in this story that the ultimate love the Lord gives to the leper is himself. It's according to mercy. It's not according to merit. If it was according to merit, the leper would have been down the road and so would you and I. It's not about merit. It's about mercy. And before you think you can tout your merit, let me remind you of what the Bible says. Our works of righteousness are as filthy, stinking rags. You don't have any merit. Anything good in you, anything good in me is Jesus. Jesus told the disciples plainly and unequivocally, Abide in me. Without me, you can do nothing. And so the love the Lord gives is according to mercy, not merit. But secondly... 
The love the Lord gives is according to Mosaic law and not man's law. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, it said that Jesus instructed him to obey the law of Moses and to go and to take uh, his, uh, himself excuse me, to the priest, just as Moses said, and to show himself to be cleansed. I mention this because it's important to understand that Jesus did not break the law of Moses. He fulfilled the law of Moses. There's a well-known heretic uh, by the name of Stephen Furtick, who said, Jesus broke the law for you, for love. That's insanity, uh, that's stupidity, and that's highly unbiblical. Jesus didn't break the law, honey, he wrote it. He said before Abraham was, I am. It was Jesus who wrote the law upon the tablets on Mount Sinai. It is Jesus who said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so this is typified in that Jesus, the love he gives, it's, it's not according to man's law, but according to Mosaic law. It's according to the law of Moses. In other words, he does not break the law. He fulfills it. And that's not really the big idea of this sermon, but it is here and it is worth mentioning. Now, finally, we come to verses 15 through 16. We've considered the life the leper lived. We've considered the love the Lord gives. But now we need to consider the lessons the leper learned. What, too, can we take from this and apply in our lives? Well, apart from his cleansing and conversion, what are the lessons the leper learned? What did he leave this situation with apart from the obvious? Well, look at verse 15 and 16. However, the report went around concerning him all the more, and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. And so he himself, that being Jesus, by the way, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now, Jesus asked him to tell no one but to go and show himself to the priest. So was this man disobedient? I don't think so. I think we need to consider the story for what it is. He says, tell no one but go and show yourself to the priest. I think the point was not to never tell anybody, but to do what's right first, to fulfill the law first, to go and show the priest first because he wanted them to show the priest as a testimony to them, verse 14 says. And so clearly he is to tell others. But it was to be done in God's way. And I just say this by way of application. Uh, we must always do the things of God in God's way. We do God no favors when we say, well, I'm here to minister you know, for the Lord and I'm coming up with all these ways and methods that are unbiblical and sometimes even worse, they become antithetical to the message itself. Uh, there's no room for that. And so... The first lesson the leper learned as he shared it with these priests is that the love of God is to be shared. The love of God is to be shared. You and I were not saved. We were not cleansed in order to keep it to ourselves. But all throughout the scripture, especially after Jesus finishes his earthly ministry, because what does he say? Go and preach. Go and tell. Go and make disciples. You were not saved to keep it to yourself. You were saved to tell others. You have been commissioned by Christ himself. So just real quickly, the love of God is to be shared. Secondly, the Lord our God is to be praised. 
is to be praised. What do I mean by this? Well, he was to offer an offering for your cleansing. Jesus told him, offer an offering. Why? For your cleansing. This was to be an offering of thanks and praise to God for what he has done. And we have all the reason in the world to praise God for ourselves because of the gift of salvation he's given us that's typified here in the leper. Now, what a glorious picture this is. Because when I got to reading this, I thought, I wonder, you know, because there's different offerings in the Mosaic Law. There's different sacrifices. And I thought, what did a leper have to do if he was healed? And so I go back in my study to Leviticus 14, and what I found is amazing. Leviticus 14, if a leper was cleansed, here's what he had to do. And here's what this leper did, fulfilling the law of Moses. According to Leviticus 14, if a leper was cleansed, he had to go and take two birds to the priest, okay? One bird was sacrificed. Its blood was used to wash the other bird, and then that other bird was set free, washed, listen to this, washed in the blood of the bird who died in its place. What a marvelous picture. Jesus is saying you go and you take those birds and you wash them in the blood and free the one and kill the other in its place to the priest according to the law of Moses. But what he's also saying and what he's really saying is just as you have done in this cleansing, I will do ultimately. Because as we know, the final bird of sacrifice, if you will, was Jesus Christ himself. And by being washed in his blood, you too can go free. It's amazing to me how over all these thousands of years that the cross was foreshadowed throughout all the Old Testament by different authors who didn't even know each other. It's not like they could come together and come up with this scheme. And yet they all said the same thing. They all foreshadowed and pointed to this cross. Now, I could go off on a tangent here, and I'm not going to. I just simply want to relate to you what exactly the sacrifice a leper who was cleansed, according to Leviticus 14, was to do. In conclusion, like the leper, you and I are apart from Christ and are living a life of death. We are unclean. We are separated spiritually. We are isolated socially from the family of God. And we are debilitated in our inability to save ourselves. You can't save yourself. Nobody can. The only hope for us is the love God offers, just as he did the leper through his son, who? Jesus Christ. I could sum it up with the most famous verse in the Bible. You ready? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I would today that if you find yourself as the leper was, that you will see Jesus and come to him for only he can cleanse the leper's spot and wash it white as snow. Only he can cure the diseases of sin which debilitate the world and separate us from God. And so we have life, love, lessons. When the leper met the Lord, we had to consider the life the leper lived, that it was a life of physical debilitation, social isolation, and spiritual 
separation. Secondly, we had to consider the love the Lord gives. It's a love according to mercy, not merit, and according to the Mosaic law, not man's law. And finally, we considered the lessons the leper learned, that the love of God is to be shared and the Lord our God is to be praised. All that to say this, have you been washed in the blood? Have you been cleansed? And I couldn't study this message and preach this message and consider the example of Leviticus 14 without thinking of this hymn. Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt this heart of stone. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Ladies and gentlemen, on the authority of Scripture, before those, lep- before those uh, priests that he went to ever had a chance to wash anything, Jesus had already washed and cleansed him from the inside out, both physically, yes, that's true, but far more importantly, spiritually, when the leper met the Lord. God bless you.